up. So uh, I love that we have uh, the kids up here with us every so often because I want the kids to know that you're not just an appendage onto the church. You're part of the family of God. You're not just the next generation of the church. You are God's church right now, and you're part of this family, and we love having you here. Uh, Let's just thank the kids for helping us worship today. Also, it just occurs to me that uh, we, we learn by example, right? Uh, and so the words to that last song we sang about, when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. How will the kids ever know that when we sing and worship God, we can lift our hands high unless they see us adults doing that? And so I love that they're up here. I love that we get silly sometimes and do the shakers and have the fun motions. And it's helping all of us uh, learn by example what it means to worship God and, and how to express that. Um, my name is Andy. I'm one of the pastors here. And I just have a couple of announcements for you this morning. Uh, actually, a lot of announcements. Uh, April is a very busy month. And so let me just run through these. Uh, we've been saving up all the announcements to deliver them all at once. Um, no, I'm kidding you. Uh, Tonight at 5.30 is uh, Gospel Community Night. We'll be watching uh, episode 7 of The Chosen Season 1, and we'll have a waffle bar together. So bring a topping to share. Uh, enjoy waffles and enjoy hanging out as we watch a great show. Um, also, April is the month in which we have our annual congregational meeting, and we are proposing the budget for the next fiscal year. Our fiscal year starts in July. So uh, it, the budgets are available. There are printed copies out at the Welcome Center. You can grab one on your way out if you're so inclined. Um, and along with that, next Sunday between the worship services, so before this one, uh, we will have a little Q&A session. If you want to pick up a copy of the budget, look through it, pray about it. If you have any questions about that, come uh, to room 113 downstairs, and you can ask questions of the overseers about the proposed budget. Um, and then in, in, in conjunction with that, the last Sunday in April, April 24th, is our annual congregational meeting in which we were asking members to vote on that proposed budget as well as uh, a couple of new overseer nominees that you'll meet this morning in just a few minutes. So come out on the 24th. If you're a member, uh, stick around after the service and vote on the budget and the overseers. Um, all right, and then uh, this is uh, the month of Easter. And so I just want to give you our Holy Week schedule on Palm Sunday. That's next Sunday. We'll worship in our normal uh, schedule. Uh, So come to the service that you come to and and we'll worship together. Uh, Wednesday of Holy Week is called Holy Wednesday. And the youth worship team is hosting a night of worship and prayer on Holy Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. So come out. uh, If parents and adults are welcome to come and worship with the youth on Holy Wednesday. And then also on Good Friday, our Good Friday service will be at 6 p.m. So come out for that. And then on Easter Sunday, next uh, two Sundays from now, the 17th, we're going to change the order of schedule just a little bit. The first service will be at its normal time, but uh, at 9.30, we're going to have breakfast in the gym. And so come and enjoy a breakfast, and this service time will get moved back to 10.45 so that we have time and space to eat together and enjoy community with one another. So if you come at 10, like you normally do, you can come have breakfast and then worship uh, normally, and, um, uh, and, or you can come a little bit earlier. And I think that's all the announcements that I have. 
Uh, our message today is going to be a little bit different, so I would like to invite the overseers to come up and join me. Um, like I said, we are nominating a couple of new uh, overseers for this next uh, fiscal year, and um, so I thought it would be interesting to interview all of our elders, all of our overseers, about the topic of prayer. And um, the guys that are new that we're nominating uh, are Jim Hergenrother. Jim, just give a little wave there. And Daryl Anderson. So these are, nominate, these are nominees for elder overseer. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, prayer. And sometimes when you do an interview, it's either really, really good or it's really, really terrible. So I'm hoping it's going to be, it was really, really good first service. So repeat performance, right? <laughs> um, no, um, sometimes when you get in the conversation, it can just kind of run away. So we're going to put a 30-minute timer right on the clock, right on the screen. You'll be able to see it in the little lower left-hand corner. Um, and at 30 minutes, when that timer's up, it's up. And I, if you're, I'm just going to cut you off. So, <laughs> no. Well, anyway, uh, let's let's start. The timer's going. Oh my! So let's start just with uh, names and your favorite food, and then we'll get into the serious conversation. So my name's Andy. My favorite food is Corinne's lasagna. She makes the. I love lasagna, but Corinne makes the best lasagna. Bo. My name is Bo Martin. I love fair. French fries. Oh, I love the specificity of that. <laughs> I, I, State fair, county fair. Yeah. They're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> same group goes around. My name is Wayne Hansen. Um, first service, I said my favorite food is pizza. It really probably is. But I also remember when I would have long trips away or spend a season away, my mother would make like essentially a Thanksgiving dinner. And I was reminded I absolutely loved uh, stuffing, mashed potatoes, turkey, all that stuff. The first service, I said tofu, <laughs> and that went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> so I'm going to say, it still is tofu, but smoked salmon. Uh, first service, I said, how do I follow tofu? Uh, my favorite food is Rocky Rococo pizza, which is why I look like I do and he looks like he does. Uh, my name is Jim Hergenrother, and my favorite food is linguine and clam sauce, the way my wife makes it. Mm. Um, my wife and I, Carol, uh, were born and raised in California, so Mexican food is our favorite. I guess I have to add, the way my wife makes it, too. Is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's walking out now, so I... It could, My name is Daryl Anderson. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so now that we've gotten the important stuff out of the way, <clears throat> let's talk about prayer. Uh, prayer is, it, we say, one of the things we say around here is that prayer does not help the work of the ministry. Prayer is the work of the ministry. So really, the, the ministry of the church is not whatever program or event or gathering that we're, we're doing. The real work of the ministry is prayer. And then the programs and the gatherings and the events and the things that happen are the overflow of that prayer. So if we're not praying, we're not accomplishing the ministry that God's called us to do, even if our schedules are full of all kinds of church events and gatherings and Bible studies and this, that, and the other. Prayer is the work of the ministry. So um, we're just going to talk a little bit about prayer, and I want to hear from you guys your experience, your story. Uh, The first question I have is, 
when has God worked powerfully in your life through prayer? A clear answer to prayer. What's that look like for you? Just share a story. Well, for me, um, some of the most powerful answers to prayer came on uh, short-term mission trips for me. And um, I recall one specifically that um, that Russ Rodenberg was involved in in uh, about 2004, 2005. We went, Lakeview sent a team uh, to the Costa Rica to work alongside the uh, church in Alawea. And we were doing a VBS, and we helped with a health clinic, and we had a construction project. And we were living with the, uh, the people from the church family, and every day we'd walk to the church. And uh, one day early in the week, we stopped at this little tienda, which is a Mexican, uh, a Spanish little grocery store. And we came in and bought some refreshments for the day, and I could see the guy, the, the shopkeeper, was struggling to see what he was writing up for the bill. And I, I recognized that look that he had there. So a little voice inside of me said, give him your reading glasses. And so I had them in my pocket. I reached in and handed them to him, and he put them on, and boom, he could see. And so he finished the transaction. We were ready to leave. He tried to hand the, the glasses back to me, and I said, no, keep them. They're, they're a gift. And that was all it took. Um, after that happened... Uh, when we would walk by, he would be out waiting for us with refreshments and fruit, and he would just giving us all these different things, and you could just see something was going on in his heart. And so I told our family that we were living with about it, and they said, no, he's a hard man. Uh, we've been praying for him for many years, and uh, he's hard on his wife. He's hard on his family. And I said, well, I think God is doing something in him. So the last night we were there, we had a prayer service. And uh, I was privileged to uh, speak on uh, Romans 8, where um, nothing cannot be separated from the love that is in Christ Jesus. And he came, and he was sitting in the back. And um, I didn't see him, but somebody else later told me that he was in the back weeping. Now, his wife was a leader in this church, and this church had been praying for him for many years. And... um, he was back there praying, so when it, when it was all over, the pastor called the team up to pray over us, um, and at the end of that prayer, he got up, and he walked to the front, and he gave his life to Christ right there. So it was really special for us not only to be used you know, in a small way as part of an answer to prayer, but also to witness the final answer to it. So. Wow, that's cool. I've got a little bit different type of story about God answering prayer. Uh, In 2001, we decided or felt we were impressed by God. We should be going, we should get involved with Youth with a Mission. And we were going to do the discipleship training school in Lakeside, Montana. And God impressed totally on us that this is what we should do. Well, that was about uh, the 1st of January. We were supposed to leave about the 1st of April, and we had it all, all mapped out as far as how much money we needed to have. Uh, we had school fees. We had room and board for my wife and I and the three children that we still had at home, and outreach fees as we were going to, to uh, Eastern Europe for three months at the end of this school. And I don't remember the exact figure we, we needed, but... The Friday before we were to leave on Monday, I had a deposit slip from our bank 
that had that amount plus 160 some dollars in change. Uh, and that was in the day where I don't know that we'd ever had $1,000 in the bank just sitting there drawing interest that wasn't earmarked for anything. So this was miraculous because this was several thousand. And it worked in, God worked in so many different ways to supply this money for us. Um, we, we had quit our jobs, and we were set to go. And it was like, if God doesn't come through, we're going to look really bad in this thing. Um, so my employer paid me for unused vacation that I had, and then they gave me a large bonus at the end to put toward our fees, which that in itself is miraculous because how many of your employers would do that? And uh, then the, the youth group and the children's church uh, members from our church, without us knowing anything about it, were raising money for us and they showed up at our home shortly before it was time for us to go, I mean a few days, and presented us with money. Uh, so God worked and supplied several thousand dollars for this. And we actually not only were able to go and do the school, but then we stayed on and were staff members there at uh, YWAM in Lakeside, Montana for the next five and a half years. Wow. So, Tom, just a point of clarification. Teenagers showed up at your house and gave you money. Uh, yes, they did, but they did have at least one adult with them to make <laughs> sure that they gave us the money. So usually teenage, it goes the other way. They come into your house like this. But, uh, there is a God. Okay. What about uh, a slightly different, what about a time has, has God ever, you've prayed for somebody else and God has worked through you to answer that prayer or to, or to move that person. Anybody have a story like that to share? So um, I was in the Navy, and I was stationed on board a submarine. Um, and I'm a, I'm a guitar player, if you haven't figured that out. And on a submarine, there are anything you want to bring with you either is in your bunk or somebody that you know has given you a space to keep it. And last time, I don't know if you've looked at a guitar, they're kind of big to sleep with. So I had a friend who was a division leader, and he had a space, and he said, I'll let you bring your guitar if you teach me how to play. I'm like, well, that's a deal. <laughs> so all through my um, Navy career on the ship, I had my guitar in his space. And during that time, he, I became a Christian, and I, he saw that transformation, and I began praying for him. His name is L.H. Harms. And, um, and eventually he left the ship and I never really saw or, you know, really understood him to become a believer. About five years later, I got a letter in the mail from him thanking me for living before him because he became a believer. And I, I was just totally blown away how God, it, and I had no, I don't remember how I shared Christ with him. I honestly don't. But as a result of just being there and uh, teaching him how to play the guitar, God touched his heart, and I was a part of that. that wow. Yeah. And it took five years for you to see the answer to that. Yes. Yeah. It's not instantaneous all the time. Mm -mm. That's really cool. Second question that I have for you is Colossians 4.2 is up there on the screen. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. 
Uh, there's another really well-known verse in Timothy that says, uh, pray without ceasing. So um, life is busy, especially when you have young children at home. Some of us do. Uh, careers uh, get busy. Hobbies get busy. Life fills up really quickly. So I want to know, what does it look like in your guys' lives to continue steadfastly in prayer or to pray without ceasing? What, just how, does, how do you do that? Um, well, let me start out with a little bit of my routine in life. Um, one is I'm an early riser, not for any spiritual reasons. I just happen to be an early riser. In fact, it's not uncommon. I'll wake up and I'll be getting out of bed and my wife, Carol, will turn to me and say, why are you getting up so early? And I'll say, I'm wide awake, and I'm not going to go to sleep, so I'm not going to lay here, so I'm getting up. And so I get up, go right to the coffee pot, put on the coffee, and start my morning devotions, time of prayer and reading the scriptures. And maybe an hour, an hour and a half later, I make tea for my wife and bring it to her, and she can start her morning devotions um, and go on. And so that starts our day. Um, it starts our attitude towards the Lord. And then as I go through the day, um, and this is a discipline that I've tried to practice for a number of years and keep practicing, is any time that I think of someone or any time that I run into somebody or get an email from somebody, um, I will pray for that person um, by name. And if I know anything uh, about them, I, I pray for that. But to do it immediately... And another thing that um, my wife is very good at, and I'm, I'm learning from her, um, I've learned a lot of things about prayer from my wife, but um, is that when anybody asks her or gives her a request for prayer, she'll always say, well, let's pray about it right now. And so she'll ask them what it is, and then she'll pray right there. And she does that also together during the day. And I, I have to admit, more often than not she's the one that says, okay, let's, to me or somebody says, let's pray about that right now um, to bring that before the Lord. So it's that discipline of, of, you know, what the Spirit brings to your mind and what comes before you through the circumstances of life that you remember to lift that up in prayer. And so that's that praying without ceasing. And so at that, and then as the, Day ends, my wife and I always uh, read together in, at night um, and then pray together for usually the family. By the way, I have seven of our 11 grandkids here today and a number of our kids, so it's fun to have them here with us. And um, they're the ones that we pray for a lot. Everybody was, well, you know, it's not selfish that I pray for our kids and our grandkids more than anybody else. I'm just figuring that we probably are the ones that are most connected and, and want to take that time. And if we're not doing it faithfully, I'm not sure who would be. So uh, we want to remember to do that. Yeah, what else? Wayne, you got something? Sure. So, so you know, as Daryl mentioned, um, there's often a routine involved. And uh, I've... I've not always been an early riser. Um, I've become more of an early riser. And my, my routine um, may not be perfect every day, seven days a week, but, but I do uh, try to make that time early in the morning. 
Um, when I, I remember when I was uh, being mentored in college, uh, the gentleman that was mentoring me had had talked about how he got up early, and I thought, there's no way I'm going to get up early. I just can't do it. I'm, an, I'm a night owl, right? So at that age in life, I was, I was up late, so I'd, I'd pray late. Um, but I also remember at that time just, just uh, the concept of Jesus being my, my closest friend, right? And so anywhere I went, I was talking to, to, to my Lord and my God. And so I had 15 minutes to walk to class. I would, I would talk to, to my Lord. Uh, I, had, I found something special, beautiful, uh, impressive, or a relief. Or, you know, I'd find moments to express thanks uh, to, to God uh, thro- throughout the day. Yeah, so there are different seasons in life. You, you have young kids at home, four of them. There are different seasons in life where it's really challenging to set aside a 30-minute block but you're connecting with God. You're looking for him throughout. That's kind of your experience. Absolutely. And, and um, as, as Tom mentioned, I don't know if it was this time or last time, but, but uh, there, there's times like this morning I, w- I woke up at 1 o'clock. You couldn't, I had a dry throat or something, and I, I couldn't fall right back asleep, so I was, I was taking some moments to pray, mm-hmm. right? And uh, just you find those, you, you try to find your routines, but then you also find those other instances where you just make that part of your, your time. Yeah, I like that. I guess I'm up. Um, I think something that helps me, because I'm not always terrific at steadfastly continuing in, in prayer, you know, to, to admit that. But uh, when when I come back to praying with him and keeping on a conversation with God, Something that helps me is to remember his heart for me. And so I practice that, I guess. I rehearse that before I jump into conversation with him. And I just remember his intentions for me so that as I'm carrying on that conversation, I'm carrying it on in light of who he is, which is sometimes difficult to do. I'm not necessarily predisposed to that. And um, and also... As I'm in that conversation, I think, I think being honest with God with where I'm at is, the, is one of the most helpful things to continue to be uh, steadfast or for me to continue to, to engage with him more often. Like he is my friend. He is right next to me when I'm driving in the truck, which I often am at work. I do sometimes just imagine him being next to me in the truck. It helps me think that he's here and not, you know, 40,000 light years away or something like that. Um, and, and then to engage in a conversation with him where I don't need to have the end figured out before I bring a request or, um, or whatever I'm praying about and to, and to have him engage me and correct me in his word or through a, a podcast or a teaching or something. Um, I don't, I guess that helps, helps me is to approach a conversation with God where I don't need to have things concluded because I'm a perfectionist and I like that. So uh, there were, you preached a sermon here once, uh, Bo, about being, a, being aware of God's presence and you used this illustration that I thought was so good. You said sometimes, um, you know, you can be like in your kitchen and your wife is there in the kitchen but you're not necessarily having an ongoing conversation. You're just aware of her presence with you. And you might be working on something. She might be working on something. 
But you know that at any point, one person can say something to the other in response and everything, and you're just aware that she's there with you. And you, you related that to our relationship with God. And as we go through our day, whether we're at work or whether we're in the car or whether whatever we're doing, just being aware that somebody else is with us, God's presence, his personal presence is there with us in the same way. And we're aware of that. And that's how we can pray without ceasing through the day. And I, I love that illustration. I think it's a perfect analogy. Um, so if I just kind of summarize what you all have shared in collective wisdom, if we're going to continue steadfastly in prayer, there are some seasons in life and some personalities that lend themselves to a stru- more structured approach. I'm going to get up at this time every day. I'm going to have a quiet time or it's in the evening. Um, there are other seasons in life and other personality types where it might be looking for God and being aware of him with you throughout the day. And probably combining both of those at various times is really, is really good too. It's not necessarily about having a set-aside quiet time, but it's about being with God throughout the day. The quiet time can help, but so can the awareness of his presence with you. Uh, I love that. Just one other thing is I think oftentimes... I don't know if other people are disposed like this, but I'm I'm often thinking, uh, what 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 do I have to do? You know, what's on what's on my plate to do? Not that that's bad, but I think it helps me to remember that God is first in action. Mm-hmm. Like He acts towards us first. Christ is always praying for us. The Holy Spirit is 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 praying for us with groans too deep for words at the at the throne room with the Father right now. Like, we're participating in a God who's active towards us in prayer already, and so he wants us to meet him there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Last question, and this is probably uh, one of the, the hardest question. When has there been a time in your life when God did not answer your prayer. You prayed for something to happen and it didn't happen. And how did you respond? Keep it with a straight face, right? <laughs> um, I, I'll just, Colette and I, when we got married, after a couple of years, we wanted to have kids and we started trying and uh, were unable to. And several of us, several surgeries and lots of medical things later we were just unable to conceive and I remember getting a promise before I married Colette and Jeremiah uh, 32 uh, that really said that my children would would um, would continue on in the Lord and I was really struggling <laughs> and um, God had a different way um, we we instead of um, having children we decided to foster and ultimately the two foster kids that that came into our home we adopted so it wasn't the answer i wanted but it was the it was the answer and it was an answer um it, it was a hard journey to go through but um that's that's the answer that god gave us but it wasn't what we prayed for hmm. yeah Yeah, that, that is a tough question. I know that we've had several incidents in our own family life 
um, that Carol and I uh, spent literally days, months really, um, in prayer and in fasting uh, that the Lord would heal a couple of relationships in our family lives and um, just crying out to him. And those relationships weren't healed in the way that we were seeking him to do. And so, you know, the the difficulty is always in wondering, okay, what could we have done? Did, did, were we not faithful enough in prayer? Um, you know, could we have spent more time in prayer and fasting? You know, you question yourself in that always. And I don't know about you all, but I don't know if you want to raise your hands if you think you spend too much time in prayer. Or, or do you want to raise your hand and say that you spend, you know, sufficient time in prayer. I mean, I think we all feel very inadequate in our own in our own prayer life, and God knows that, and by his mercy and grace, he hears our prayers and knows our hearts, and so, you know, we trust him. Um, but I think also of the, the passage in 2 Samuel 12, and sometime you should read that, starts in verse 16, where... Um, David was praying for a son that was sick, and the Lord said that he would die, actually, the son. and But David cried out to God for days and fasted and prayed that God would uh, not take his son, and God took his son. And um, which, of course, was a tragedy for David. But the next morning, uh, after he heard that his son had passed away, he got up and um bathed and put on uh, new clothing and went out in faith that God had answered his prayer, not in the way that he had wanted to, but in faith he did that. And people were somewhat surprised at his reaction to that. And David said, well, um, my son won't come back to me, but I will go to my son uh, in faith. And I'm sure David struggled with that. But uh, in faith, he believed that God answered his prayers, even though they weren't the way that he had uh, hoped. So, so in, a, in a similar vein to that, um, my wife and I lost an adult daughter two years ago. And she um, struggled with addictions all of her adult life. Um, we had many, many years and time um, in prayers, and I firmly believe that she would be healed from this, and that she, that God would use her in a powerful way to help others through their own struggles. And that's not the way it ended. Um, so, in processing that, first of all, she she did accept Christ in her late teens, and for a period of time lived in the Spirit. But then the uh, addictions got her back, and uh, she was not able to live in victory on this earth. And um, I struggled with that because the way I saw her victory was not the way it happened. And so uh, it took me a while to process. I wished, you know, like David reacted or Job when he said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I tried to have that attitude. I really, um, and I did for the most part, but there was still a struggle going on in me 
about how that turned out. And it took a while to, to see it, that her victory is now complete. It's not on earth, but it's complete. And there's a song that I recently heard that really speaks to um, how I see it now, and that is uh, a song by Casting Crowns, uh, Scars in Heaven. And um, the verse is, uh, the thought that gives me, that makes me smile now, and even though the tears fall down, is that the only scars in heaven are on the ones that hold you now. So he he answered the prayer, just different than what I saw. Yeah, I I remember hearing a pastor one time say that uh, he said when you're praying for somebody who needs healed, whether it's from an addiction or from an illness or whatever, he said never never pray, Lord, if it's your will, heal this person. He said it is always it is always God's will that that person is healed. But God's process is not the same as our process, and his timeline is not the same as our timeline. And sometimes God's healing comes through a supernatural intervention in which that person is what, what we can only describe as miraculously healed. And sometimes God works through their, the body's own natural healing process, and it takes time. Sometimes God works through the medical system uh, to treat an illness. And sometimes God he, God's healing isn't completed until... Christ returns and the body is resurrected free of scars, free of illness, free of sickness. But he said, 10,000 years from now, everybody who is with the Lord will be fully and completely healed. So it's always his will. Uh, it's just the time. And we have to learn to trust trust him in the in-between. Um, so thanks for sharing that uh, story, Jim. Um, we wanted to talk a little bit about prayer because we're restructuring, reorganizing uh, leadership at Lakeview Church. And one of the things that God's called us to do, and we've, we've talked about this a lot in the last year, is to restore the watchman. Uh, and what that means is return the, the role of elder in the church to the biblical responsibility or role of overseer or shepherd of God's flock. In uh, many churches in our context, the elders function as the executive board of a nonprofit organization. Um, but that's not really a biblical model. And God's called us here at Lakeview Church to say the, the elders are not the executive board of a nonprofit organization. The elders are the shepherds of God's flock. And we want to pray for you. Um, once a year, when we do our annual elder retreat, we contact all the members of Lakeview and we ask for your prayer requests. And then we spend a lot of time praying through uh, that list so that we can pray for all of you by name. But we want to do that more than once a year. We want to do that continually throughout the year with specific ways to pray for you. And that means we have to know you and know your needs and know where you're at in your journey with Christ. So one of the things that we're doing as we move forward is we're, we're going to organize our congregation of a few hundred people into what we're calling gospel communities. And these will be smaller groups of five to 10 households, maybe uh, 15 to 30 people, depending on uh, various contexts. And, um, and each one of these gospel communities will be led by or overseen by a, an overseer, an elder who is serving as an overseer of God's flock. And it will be our responsibility to know you, to 
hear your prayer request, to pray for you. When we meet as overseers once a month, we can say, How's your, how are, is your gospel community doing? How are your households doing? Are there any prayer requests that we need to lift up before the Lord? And that way we can be praying specifically for you by name throughout the year and not just the once a year or when, we get the, when somebody fills out the card um, and drops it in the offering pl- uh, box and then we can pray for you that week. But we want to pray for you continually throughout the year. Um, And what we would ask in return is that you would pray for us. So I wanted to get the overseers up here. Uh, Pastor Josh is also an overseer. He's not up here with us. He's uh, out of town today. But I wanted to get us up here so you could see the faces, hear the stories, get to know these guys a little bit, and add our names to your prayer list. And even if it's just once a week, just take a couple of minutes to speak our names out loud to the Lord. God knows the needs and he'll run with those. But just take that two, two, three minutes, once or twice a week to speak our names out loud before the Lord and pray for us as we are praying for you. Um, so we're going to conclude our service today. Uh, Jim, would you uh, pray for the congregation? Heavenly Father, thank you for the awesome privilege to pray over the, the body of Christ here at Lakeview Church. And I just thank you, Lord, that you are the God that answers prayer. Thank you that the, um, the God of creation who spoke the universe into existence wants to have a relationship with each one of us that loves for and cares for each one of us, Lord, and wants to talk to each of us through prayer. And Lord, I, I pray for the leadership here. And um, Lord, we ask your guidance as we transition to shepherding overseers. Lord, through your Holy Spirit, would you Give each of us uh, humble hearts, Lord, and that our motivation be through love. We also pray for more discernment and wisdom from you. And Lord, uh, we pray for the church family, Lord, and as we are going through the process of removing the high places in our lives, Lord, we ask that you would reveal to each of us anything and everything that is hindering our relationship with you, Lord hindering the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives, hindering our prayers to you, Lord. Lord, reveal them to us and teach us to fully repent, Lord, to turn away and never to turn back. And Lord, I thank you for the grace and the mercy that is always there waiting for us. And I thank you, Jesus, for your work on the cross, Lord, that made a way for us to come to the Father. I thank you, Jesus, and it's your holy name I pray. Amen. Amen.